Good afternoon. You are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. This is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present to understand how we as humans have expressed ourselves through time. Now, our theme this week is wax. It's a fun one. And I had the pleasure of talking to Jamie Fitzpatrick, who uses his gigantic wax sculptures to challenge expectations and change narratives. So that is a really, really interesting interview that you got to look forward to. But before that, I wanted to explain a little bit about the lost wax process in art and talk about a few of my favourite pieces that have employed this process throughout history. Wax is multifunctional, as we're going to learn. <laughs> So the lost wax process is also called precision casting and is the process by which metal sculptures, often in gold, silver, brass or bronze, are basically cast from an original sculpture made from wax or plaster. Now, intricate works can be achieved with this method because you can get really, really intense detail from sculpting from something a bit more forgiving, i.e. wax, rather than trying to sculpt in metal, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, is very, very difficult. And a lot of the bronze sculptures you can see around London are done using this process. And I'm talking about those ones you see when you walk past and there's guys on horsebacks and there's sort of, there's some rearing or they're sort of um, stationary, but they are used, commonly made from using the lost wax process. Now I'm going to tell you why it's called the lost wax process that will become very very apparent but a little bit of background the process is very very common in Europe it is an original is originally a European sort of made design but it is really 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 old it is 6,000 there's a 6,000 year old amulet from the Indus Valley civilization that's found so kind of they thought all right that might be the oldest but there's also stuff from Mesopotamia in the third millennium BC and the Chak Chalcolithic got there in the end period from 4500 to 3500 BC there's also pieces from that period too so it's an incredibly old process that is used um and I'm sort of going to describe the process to you, but you've got to stay with me because it gets a bit uh, it gets a bit complicated and there's so many different intricate levels to it. But I also want to talk about some Rodan statues that use this uh, process too. And you probably heard of Rodin, most famous for the kiss, but there are two uh, bronze sculptures that are very, very famous too that use this process. So without further delay, this is the lost wax process method. There are actually two methods one of them you can cast directly from a wax sculpture that you've made and then the other one you can you sort of indirectly cast where there's a a wax copy of a model that doesn't necessarily have to be made from wax initially but then you cast it in wax and then you lose the wax through the lost wax process which then becomes bronze I'm gonna talk you through it it is a bit complicated (laughs) but it starts with an artist or mold maker basically creates a model using wax or clay. We're going to talk about wax specifically today. So let's just say they're in wax. And it's preferred as a material because it's really, really soft and very, very malleable. So it means really, really intricate carvings can be done using uh, sort of, you know, very intricate tools. As I said, a lot easier than if you're trying to carve with uh, directly with bronze. So you've got your model, you've made it from clay. 
Now, you get your clay model and you imprint it into another um, mould. So this is kind of usually maybe clay or something a bit tougher. But essentially what you end up with is an imprint of the original wax model on the clay. And this creates an exact negative of your original wax sculpture. Are you with me still? <laughs> Sometimes it is done in parts because uh, if you're doing a really, really big sculpture, i.e. those men on horseback I'm talking about from, uh, from earlier, you can do it in parts as well. So you then essentially, once you've got all these, this negative imprint, it's then assembled together to f essentially what you then have is this sort of big mound that on the inside is hollow and has the hollow imprint of the original wax sculpture. I know it's a little bit complicated already, isn't it? But there's, there's more to go. Bear with me. So you've got this hollow imprint of the sculpture surrounded by the mould. Then you're going to fill this hollow mould with wax and you're going to fill it with wax hot wax and then pour it out and then repeat this process until you end up with kind of a lining of wax um, which basically means you now have like a three millimeter or so little coating of wax now what you've got is a mold with a hollow wax replica of the original wax model inside which you then remove from the mold so you've got, as I said, a hollow replica of the original wax model is now in your hands. You've used it, you've created the mold, you've created the wax, the wax is dry. Now you've got this hollow model. <laughs> then you can, right, so now this is where it gets a little bit more complicated. It's then chased. And essentially what chased means is any imperfections that have come from sort of the transfer process, the making of the model, the second model, are then sort of eradicated. So you sort of heat up tools, get rid of all the imperfections, and then it's all perfect. Then you fill the model with, with a hard, solid material like plastic or something like that so you've now got the hollow wax model filled with filled with hard plaster then you put plaster over it then you essentially oh wait I've missed a stage hang on hang on hang on hang on hang on right then you put piping on it which essentially is going to carry the liquid wax out and the bronze in um, and then You've got, as I said, a hollow wax shell and you heat up this hollow wax shell covered by another layer of plaster. So essentially the thin wax is around the outside. Then you take the wax out by heating it, melts out, and then you pour the bronze in. Goodness me, that took longer than I thought. We actually don't have that much time to talk about rodent sculptures. Uh, this is a shame, but I was going to talk about the Burgers of Calais and also um, The Thinker by Rodin. He does, he's a huge fan of this process and it really allows him to get very intricate designs using this process because, as I said, he models from wax or clay. Then he does the lost wax process, makes the sculpture in bronze, and it allows him to get those really emotional scenes that Rodin is so famous for as I said his sculptures um, incredibly intricate as well and also with Rodin's work he has been able to replicate I mean he's not alive anymore but we're talking about 19th century here but it's allowed him to sort of replicate over and over again because he has these molds which can be used over and over very clever process hope you st stuck with me through that <laughs> It is now time for my interview with the very talented Jamie Fitzpatrick, who creates these massive wax sculptures to challenge narratives. And he's going to tell you more about that. So enjoy. Here is Jamie. I'm here 
with Jamie Fitzpatrick in your studio in Bow Road. Um, and it's, I'm lucky because he's just about to have an exhibition, though there is a lot of your current work in the studio right now, which we're sitting in and amongst. <laughs> Not much space, is it? No, uh, but do you know what? It's great. Cramped. It's kind of great to be in here, though, because it, I think your work needs to be seen in real life. Let's start from the beginning, shall we? So how did you become an artist, Jamie? Did you have any formal training? Um, yeah, so I studied, I did a BA at Dundee and then I was at the Royal College of Art. So I finished there Amazing. a few years ago now. I'm not sure, about three or four years ago, I think. Can you describe your practice to the listeners? Because as I said, I'm, I'm with all this work. It's, uh, it's quite something, but I feel like you need to describe it yourself uh, so the, the listeners can get an idea of what we're talking about here. So, yeah, so we've got, I mean, most of my work tends to be figurative um, mm. and Generally speaking, I'm kind of interested in uh, kind of forms of power and authority and masculinity, the accepted normality of, of something. So, you know, the, the accepted normality of uh, masculinity and forms of power and such. And, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so then I, I, I tend to make works that will often have a kind of statuesque look about them, but then mm -hmm. rather than a kind of, you know, the, they tend to be very brightly coloured, quite you know, there's a kind of sense of damaged fragility about them mm. um, and a kind of constant sense of trying to undermine those forms of, um, you know, rhetoric and mm -hmm. uh, visual rhetoric that... that Social kind of, structures. That yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're kind of, they're very playful um, and, yeah, they, they kind of... They're quite attention-seeking works, mm. you know, like you go into a room and... Yeah, they definitely command attention. Yeah. <laughs> but that's great, you know, if that's if that's part of the kind of purpose. Because there's some in here that are, so I, I walked just past one now. How many feet is that? Are we think that's like a 10 foot, is it? Uh, Something like that? Yeah, it must be, yeah. Yeah, I reckon about 10 well, foot. They, yeah, they've got to fit on, in, you know, in three and a half metres, and I think it's just shy of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, so that was the spec. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise okay, so I like that. You, you, <laughs> you kind of use, you're making structures to kind of break down almost societal structures. There's kind of a nice symmetry to that. Um, but you work with a quite fairly non-traditional medium, I would say. Um, I mean, it doesn't see, it probably isn't non-traditional to you, but you work with a lot of wax. So I want to kind of talk about your choice of medium and how that informs the work you're doing. Um, it, it's pragmatic more than anything. I mean, it's kind of come this, this material that is kind of synonymous with the works, but it's partly to do with the fact that it's quite quick to work with and I've got a really mm. short attention span. Um, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> so I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not someone who can really sit with one thing for long periods of time. There's a kind of speed to the way of working, which is, you know, and, and, and it has that rough kind of texture and, you know, that I can do things like, you know, smash bits on and mm -hmm. do, you know, like you see on these bits here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's there's so a kind of, textural. Yeah, it. exactly. And that, that you kind of, when it sets, because it sets quite quickly, it mm. kind of traps that that kind of sense of aggression in mm. the in the way that um, the works are built, essentially. So, you know, I like it for that. When I make these, it's quite an aggressive process in in the actual building of them, and mm. and so it, it kind of traps that sense of um, of the making, that kind of yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that because you, you can see almost, um, it's very visceral, like you, you can see your handprints in some of them and mm -hmm. you can see your mark making and you can almost see the, the process that you've gone to kind of adding things and, and 
using wax on top of wax on top of wax you can almost see how how that's been done through the fact that as you said that the layering is quite obvious you can see you know exactly where you've taken it and molded it as well which i which i love there's almost like there's it looks like a, is it a soldier there with the with the king george yeah, yeah. cross and you can see your handprints in it like it, it's so textural it really it really kind of feels like the wax kind of isn't dry even though it is dry it feels like you could kind of smush it a little bit <laughs> which i really like yeah i mean i liked as well like when i first started making work like this mm. i was i was particularly interested in kind of uh the way in which public sculpture was used in around kind of civic areas mm. as a kind of means of uh, strengthening a sense of kind of social hierarchy you know yeah. you literally have you know the, the great and the good standing you know 10 feet above you kind of thing yeah 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 um and and you know that that kind of that way of making was partly as a kind of uh, you know generally most things in my practice are, are in some way trying to undermine these you know these accepted mm -hmm. authorities so yeah um you know that whereas you have you know something that's bronze normally or stone and mm -hmm. it's pristine and it's well finished you know instead we have a much more transient you know impermanent material you know it was under sure. undermining that kind of which melts and then is reformed and then yeah, can be exactly. molded and, and yeah you're, you're exactly so, right. so it was like you know it was one way of it wasn't just undermining them in kind of the the application of the material mm. in, in the kind of the, the aesthetic of them but actually in the the actual materials themselves you know because mm. wax is you know it's essentially like it's the stage before something becomes a bronze they haven't quite grown up you also not too pristine with your designs like as you said there's a kind of there's a grit to them and and you know the forms are kind of uneven and and as i said so textural as well which do you kind of melt a whole vat of wax in once or do you, do you color it how does that how does the literally process work it's in that oh yeah there's a there. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, so you fact, heat that up is, and then yeah so if you look inside yeah now, yeah you know there should be oh, amazing a, uh pot of hot wax and then amazing <coughs> I make up dye? pigments, you know, so I just use, so this is just, um, you know, raw pigment there. Oh, great. And it comes in like powder form and stuff. For some reason I imagined it a bit like food colouring, but... No, 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 I mean, these are just literal pigments, you right. know, straight straight up um, yeah, yeah, yeah. pigments, which I then mix with oil. Yeah. Um, I essentially make a really kind of rough oil paint. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. disperse that through the wax. So that's how you get these kind of really strong, vivid colours. Yeah, totally. So you also animate your work too, and I want to talk a little bit about this too, because I've seen some stuff of yours online, and you've told me about some projects that you've been working on. How does that work? How do you animate these massive sculptures? I've started to kind of um, use elements of narrative and sound in the works, mm -hmm. um, and then have the have the pieces uh, kind of animatronic uh, components in the mouths. Right. Okay. Um, and I did a show oh, a couple of years back in Sheffield. Uh huh. And they commissioned a piece which um, I worked on with a programmer. And what we did was create a program that we could cr um, have motors that you kind of feed through an audio file. Mm. And depending on the size of the wave in the file mm. would then dictate the movement of, in fact, I'm actually literally building so them clever. here. So it's all this stuff. This is actually oh what I've been working God, on just before really you arrived. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see them here. Oh, that looks like circuits we used to do in physics. <laughs> yeah, so. Except much more complicated, I'm so sure. So as the wave, you know, say you've got a wave. Yeah, like yeah, this. yeah. A literal sound wave. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, a sound wave. So as it's at its highest, the yeah. movement is a bigger, and as it's at its lowest, so then what you have is... Oh my goodness, to emulate will, how we actually do move exactly. on Exactly, so then what I wow. now do, I've got this program that I can record myself yeah. and 
put it through these put it through this uh, small computer thing here yeah 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 and um and then have them all talking to each other wow. so that the whole thing can be in conversation with one another that's amazing so so you sometimes insert yourself in, into your own work which i've noticed as well is that just mm -hmm. convenience or is that because i mean you said you recorded yourself making these kind of sounds and generally speaking i was interested in uh, the figure rather than the body mm. in that you know i was interested in the rhetoric of of what happens when you put something that is the shape of a person in a situation and what kind sure. of you know what is it you're trying to to convey and 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 what is it you're trying to impose on the viewer mm. whereas i think now i've become much more interested in the kind of the the self as power you know like as a mm. as a white male middle class straight male you know it's like i i have issues of my own power that you know and it's it's you know i can't it's not really for me to be a kind of um you know a spokesperson for society i you know the the idea that you know those those kind of positions that i hold you know is the kind of standard default is you know isn't it something that's obviously kind of rightfully being challenged at the moment it's like so therefore the the one thing that i you know i can't speak in on authority you know on issues of uh you know race or gender or this or that you know yeah. so that the one yeah. thing that i can have authority on is is me myself and okay. and that kind of reflection of what my what my position is within you know within these societal structures sure. and and so the work has become much more a reflection on I mean, it's still with those terms, but I think I put myself into the work much more. It tends to be quite political in nature. Mm -hmm. You explore kind of subjects such as masculinity, power, authority. Mm -hmm. um, I want to know how you choose which issues you're going to explore and what the meaning is for you with those topics. But I also want to give some context to the listeners. Mm -hmm. So if you could kind of describe maybe ways in which you've tackled some of these or one of these subjects, and then we can talk about why that was and, and kind of what the meaning was for you with that. So, for example, the show that I'm doing at the moment is in response to um, uh, the Peterloo massacres, and right. uh, it was it's up in uh, Contemporary Forward up at Rochdale. So, with that, there was you know there was quite a specific um, uh, criteria for like yes, exactly yeah, yeah. for the show. Um, but then another you know like uh, last year I did a show in Basel that was kind of heavily focused on the idea well i mean i, I got married the week before mm. the show so in order to kind of <laughs> congratulations well, but also in, in kind of you know in the build-up to doing a show and having a wedding at the same time it yeah. kind of the the two things kind of came together so that the yeah, whole show yeah. was was kind of based around this idea of you know and 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 the role of what well, the kind of gender performance that you have within a kind of marriage situation. Absolutely, I think that's really interesting because of course a marriage and a, the a kind of traditional mm. Western marriage ceremony really does sort of encapsulate all the things we're talking about in terms of um, gender uh, roles and stereotypes mm. and uh, is, a, is a very gendered ceremony. So I think it's so interesting that that became part of your work and vice versa. Yeah, no, totally. Um, do tell me, tell me more about it, I'm really interested. Well, What piece were you working on at the time? So it was for a show I did in Basel at Vitrine. Well, there was a video piece that was um, based around the idea of a stag do. Yes, this is what I've seen online, which, mm. I, which really intrigued me. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that idea of it as being this kind of, um, this transformative process, mm. um, you know, that, that you kind of, you go in a boy and through kind of ritual, uh, <laughs> you know, ritual ceremonies of, yeah. you know, kind of, 
overperforming masculinity. So like, yep. you know, getting more drunk than ever, being more reckless, you know, yep. kind of being oversexed in strip clubs and stuff like that. Yeah, like yeah, all yeah. these things that that men do on on a on a stag do. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like yeah. this overperformance of masculinity, and then you know, it's be- before you're kind of sent off to become, you know, a man, as it were, right. and and right. you know, you you leave your irresponsible boyhood behind. Mm. Um, and and I, I didn't have a stag. I was not something I'm particularly uh, interested in in kind of doing myself. But then kind of performed these these different rituals. You know, it's like if there were different sculptures yes. that we each performed. And so exactly, yeah. So role. then the film was like me interacting with different sculptures, and then the kind of work that I had in the exhibition was um, was then the sculptures as yeah. part. So it's kind of similar to this in that there'll be videos with these that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I thought that was so interesting, and there was an element of sarcasm to it as well, which I really loved, and like the level of irony too. And it was, it was, it was very sort of, um, you know, I guess I'll do this now because I'm a man, and this is what, yeah. and this is what we've been told to do. Well, it's it's kind of like there's something very, there's something very childlike in the work. Um, yes, which is something I wanted to touch upon for sure. Yeah, I know that's important to you. Yeah, well, it's kind of like I think when you watch children play, like there's a way in which they kind of process. Mm. they process things through play yeah. don't they yeah yeah um you know and 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 i kind of there's something in that that i'm i do i'm trying to kind of retain and do myself which is through you know playing about with these sculptures through mm. making these these kind of performances and videos that yeah that it's like it's a non-direct way of processing thoughts yeah, so yeah, yeah. i'm not you know I, i'm i'm not uh didactic i'm not trying to kind of state you know this is my point on this or this is my uh you know my my own personal politics on these thoughts it's just that i kind of act out and play out and kind of yeah yeah learn yeah. through play essentially what do you hope that when your audience sees your work what do you hope that they gain from that do you hope that they sort of um you know it's kind of uh emotive for them of their childhood as well or is it just the just the kind of pure speculation of them as well, seeing these kind of massive sculptures they're made of clay? Is is that kind of what the enjoyment is for you, and and what you hope people will take from it when they see the the, the sculptures and the work? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like particularly like for example, the show that I'm doing, you know, that the, there'll be a big two room mm-hmm. installation in which th- they're using all of the kind of visual forms of rhetoric that have been used throughout figurative sculpture. You know, the kind of mm-hmm. things that they're kind of falsely emulating. Sure. Like it's there's no kind of secret about these things are trying to be yeah. seductive and by that you mean you're, you're kind of designs there's soldiers and there's sort of yeah these, exactly uh, archetypes they, they, of, of kind of yeah so the, the, there's some there is this kind of like people have a very kind of instant reaction to them mm. but then i'd like to think that there is then this kind of you know they're not just a shiny object that there is mm. this kind of second layer to them that yeah. is often revealed through the narratives or you know through these audio pieces or through films or, or even yeah. just kind of just in the inner of the works themselves that then is a maybe a slightly darker and more kind of um thought out you know it, these works they're going to be sitting on backdrops like right. theatrical backdrops and then the room's going to be painted quite brightly you know and then yeah. you're going to be having sound and movement mm-hmm. and video so it's like this kind of assault and you know, this kind of mm-hmm. feeling of being within an, a kind of environment, this kind sure. of, you know, the works are big and, you know, they're, they're looming and yeah, quite yeah. In, imposing and intimidating. So this kind of, this sense of something 
bigger than just the parts of themselves mm -hmm. and uh you know to it's that experience that i'm trying to kind of to get at yeah, this yeah, kind yeah. of sense of I guess intimidation, you know, like... Well, you sort of realise your insignificance when you're surrounded by things much bigger than you, exactly. which is exactly how we feel when we look at, um, you know, monuments and sculptures around London, like, you know... Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that kind of... That power structure between, uh, you know, the viewer and the object is something that I do, you know, I like to play with, you know, mm. that normally, you know, the, the, the kind of... The power is with the viewer, isn't it? Yeah. That you're, you're looking at an object. Yeah. But then when this thing is, you know is 10 foot tall and you mm. know leaning looking quite fragile and precarious and leaning on you yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. you then suddenly feel you know that 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 power is taken from you you know and yeah, that's something that totally. i definitely like to play with or you know like when when all of a sudden because they, they tend not to be like they won't be talking continuously they might have periods of silence and then so, so it's like mm -hmm. people being you know in, in previous works where I've used movement, you know, things will be still and then burst into life. Which is quite uh, and people, arresting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and it, it takes yeah. people by surprise and that kind totally. of, that sense of the kind of instability of the environment, the mm. kind of not quite knowing what's happening. So I kind sure. of want to enforce this, this feeling of, uh, this uncomfortableness of the environment. Yeah. I think that's what I'm trying to create in all the So the interesting. I really want to talk about your up and coming project in Rochdale because you've got a installation there. So I would love to talk about that. What's going on in Rochdale? Yeah, so, uh, so as I said, it's part of the um, bicentenary of Peterloo. Um, mm. So the show's called He, 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 He. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need to count them off. <laughs> make sure I get. I got quite fussy about the amount that they're in. There, so <laughs> then I need to make sure that I get it right. Um, I took the the idea of like the the archetypes of masculinity mm -hmm. uh, from Carl Jung. So you've got the um, the king, the lover, the warrior, and the magician. Mm -hmm. And like the idea of the warrior archetype, you know, the that is often used as a kind of um, justification for male authority and stuff. You know, things mm -hmm. like this. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. loosely based on that, but then also the idea of the kind of the makeup of masculinity just kind of being down to these kind of four ingredients you know mm. like there's this kind of something elemental about them um yeah and so the way that uh and like you know i'm not someone who uh subscribes particularly to you know jungian philosophy but it's like it was it was quite a nice way of of kind of looking at this show mm -hmm. in these kind of four characters so yeah. So you've got a kind of generic king. There's the lover who is a, an Elvis impersonator, the warrior <laughs> of St. George, and the magician who is Henry Moore, but also dressed as a cowboy <laughs> as well. Each of the, the works... So the, the, the works... The, the, the fact, I've got the thing here, you can see. Oh, so yeah. the, the room... I'm going to get an idea of the size of the room based on... These are all to scale. Yeah. So it's quite a big room. And then there'll be the four yeah. four films in this kind of room. And each of the films is me kind of play acting the the passive the kind of passive behaviours through to the aggressive behaviours. So for example Okay. So the whole spectrum of each character. Yes, exactly. Okay. Is play through in this video and it's kind of like yeah, that I kind of play act these behaviours. So for example, yeah. With the one with Elvis, I do a karaoke set of Elvis love songs. Right. But kind of starting with the, the kind of um, 
like the sexually pathetic yeah and then through to the sexually aggressive sure so like starting with songs like uh i think like love me tender or yeah or something i can't remember off the top of my head the order of films you know and then ending yeah, yeah, up yeah. on say songs like um like little less conversation which is yeah yeah know, yeah essentially like let's know, get down to it <laughs> well, but like stop talking shut up and start having sex with me yeah, 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 I mean? like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the the essential message of that song the, the magician who's kind of loosely based on this idea of henry moore you know is the kind of uh, yeah well i mean it, there's this idea of a creator but also you know it's the kind of he is the kind of summation of kind of masculine british sculpture isn't it? Mm. as a sculptor you know it's it kind of it's the yeah it's, it's the kind of the watermark to which everything is kind of held and the kind sure. of the source you know the source of the spring as it were so jamie where can listeners go to find out more about you and your work and your show that is currently showing at the rochdale manchester yes yeah, so that runs until the 7th of december Amazing. Um, and what's the venue the it's contemporary forward in rochdale part of wow. touchstones museum amazing um i think if you just type contemporary forward into google <laughs> and it should come up um yeah, and then I suppose you know, I, my website is mm -hmm. uk. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. That's all right, don't worry. Thank you for coming around. <laughs> that becomes a source of outside influence. So there you go, that was Jamie Fitzpatrick. I hope you enjoyed our interview. I hope you've also learned a little something about wax today. I mean, you can use it to uh, make monuments and sculptures and you can also make sculptures uh, out of, you know, with bronze and yeah, so many interesting facts about wax today. So yeah, hope you enjoyed the show. That's all we've got time for, unfortunately. But if you want any more information about me or the show, then please do visit the site at the Art Then and the Now show. See you next week at 3.30 on resonance 104.4 fm